Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm Tammy Hooker. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside Plano and just outside of what you might expect. The suit is dead. Long live the suit. Business casual means that Plano, once a bastion of suits, is now the land of golf shirts and khakis. Who lives in Plano? In the 1980s and 90s, the short answer was white guys in suits. Executives at Plano-based companies like EDS and JCPenney maintained that traditional business look and employees were expected to, well, follow suit. All of that changed in the late 1990s as even the most conservative companies gave into the trend towards business casual. We'll hear more about that shortly. But first, let's listen as former Plano Mayor Phil Dyer and City Council Member Rick Grady remember the days when the suits were king in Plano. I'm Phil Dyer, and I um, recently retired as the president of Legacy Texas Bank, and I'm the former mayor of Plano. Yeah, you know, I started in the banking business out of college in 73, and that was pretty standard. The only question, you, know, you were wearing a, a suit or a sport coat and tie. The only question is whether you wore the jacket while you were in the office. Most of my life, you were expected to wear your coat all day, every day. Rick Radio with the uh, Plano City Council, and I uh, have recently been, been elected. It'll be about one year uh, that I'll have been on the uh, City Council. Working for EDS was, was, was like working for the military, only you didn't have a uh, uniform on with a, a bunch of clusters and ribbons on it. When I went to EDS, we used to kid at EDS that we needed on the first floor a menswear store. Yeah. Um, and we actually tried to get the men's warehouse on the first floor because... Uh, the prescript was you wear any suit that you wanted as long as it was black or blue, dark blue. No tan, no gray, no stripes, no um, herring bones. It was plain black, plain dark blue. Um, you could wear any color belt that you wanted as long as it was black. Any shoes that you wanted as long as they were tied and black. No loafers and no tassels on your loafers. Um, it, this was very defined. You wear any shirt you wanted, it had to be white. And then any dark tie that you wanted to wear, but it couldn't have an, an exorbitant amount of design on it. Um, when we were at the office, we wore our coat. That was just the way that it was. Um, when you sit at your desk, you had your coat on. You step out of your office, you had your coat on. Um, so you were always in, in uniform. Women had an, in a, a, a unif basically a uniform as well. They had um, a white shirt that they or a white blouse that they would wear, a dark jacket. Um, but they originally were told that they would wear um, women's suits, which typically had a dress. A young lady worked in our data center loading paper into the printers. And this is, I mean, these are uh, wide bar, green bar, the real heavy box papers. And to do that, she would have to basically kneel down in front of the uh, in front of the printer and and feed in this uh, long green bar into the printer. Um, that became embarrassing at times in a skirt. And she wanted to wear a pantsuit um, because she felt that would be more appropriate for, for loading printer or paper into printer. 
she went to her manager and asked if she could wear a pantsuit, change the dress code to wear a pantsuit. She said no. So she took it to an open door policy and she got no every time uh, she went uh, the next level up until she got to Ross Perot's office. And she met with Ross Perot and he asked her what she was there for and she said that she loads paper into printers and she has to wear a skirt when she does that. And when that happens and she stood up out of the chair, this is what takes place. And immediately Ross says, that's it. They can wear pantsuits. <laughs> Even today, most of the members of Plano City Council turn up for meetings in their suits. And don't expect that to change anytime soon. Here's former council member Jim McGee. When I'm meeting with an elected official, I always wear jacket and tie. I mean, it may be, maybe it may be slacks and a blazer, or maybe a suit. But I, I, I am going to present to him what he's presenting to me, so we can be on equal footing. It was expected by a council person to have that appearance because your constituency in Plano is primarily professional. Or they expect to be talking to somebody who shows themselves to be professional. And, and, and Dyer's right. I've been to a lot of councils meetings and other outlying places in Texas. They don't wear suits, but the people coming up to talk to them ain't wearing suits either. But I, I agree with Rick. It was just, it was kind of, uh, kind of just an expectation of yourself when you're representing the city, you're sending a message. I think it's, it would be easy to slide too far the other way. So I, it makes me feel good to see Rick and others uh, dressing up like that. Now I can tell you, the next time you see me in a three-piece suit, it will be at my funeral. <laughs> the one that really shocked me the first time when I saw it was down to Austin. I mean, they're wearing plaid shirts and jeans, and it's, it's Austin. It seems so absurd to me to be the capital, the state capital, and, and you have a whole, a whole array of suits running around every day in Austin. But when you go to the city council, which is the, the government for the city, they're there wearing casual clothes. Keep Austin weird. It's, it, it, they're doing it. It has been weird. It is still weird, and they still don't wear suits at city council. And I agree with Jim. You know that. You know all these corporate relocations we're having. Most people do a lot of research before they make a decision, and and I, and I guarantee you they're watching what's going on at city council meetings to see if the professional environment and people are conducting themselves properly, or are they moving, getting ready to move to a place that's a three-ring circus? It sends a message about the community. All that began to change in the late 1980s and early 1990s as some companies adopted casual Fridays. Soon, casual business attire became the norm all five days of the week. In the uh, late 80s, early 90s is that the, the next generation coming out um, to be able to grab onto that talent that was coming out, uh, they were much more relaxed and didn't want to go into a, a staunch environment where they were told what they would have to wear all of the time. Um, they didn't want to wear the uniform. Uh, and so the decision was, we'll begin to relax the code a bit. The first one was, you don't have to wear your jacket whenever you go around the office. You can take your jacket off in the office. And this was a big deal because on the back of nearly every executive's door at EDS was a mirror, a full-length mirror. And that was to check to make sure that your tie was knotted and that your coat was fitting right and it was buttoned. 
Mike Zack remembers that transition well because it impacted his business in a big way. I'm Mike Zack, and I'm the owner of Circa 2000 Fine Apparel, conveniently located in the Shops of Legacy on the north side in wonderful Plano, Texas. My dad owned a men's store, so I was raised in the store, and uh, I used to go to, went to high school till noon, and then I had to work to help my parents, and uh, when they went on vacation, I ran the store, and so I tell people I have lint in my blood. I've been doing it so long. I had everything in place to do it in Boca Raton, and at the time, in 1998, I was there, and uh, I was living in a hotel, and I was reading the USA Today. There's an article that said the fourth fastest growing city in the country is Plano, Texas. I said, what am I doing in Boca Raton? I packed everything up, came to Plano, and started my dream store. It, it happened right after I opened, and it was very interesting because for me it was a great opportunity. There was another retailer in town at the time that their business was based on suits, and the owner told me he'd lost 30% of his business when EDS went casual, and he didn't know how to respond to it. And I said, for me, it's an opportunity. And I, I do some work for the Italian government of facilitating trade between Italy and the United States. I work with the Italian Trade Commission. So it gives me the opportunity to to go to little cottage industries and, and see things that, that people here never see, and I can translate them into an American version, and I can get things that nobody else has. In 2013, President Obama caused a stir when he showed up tieless at the G8 summit, but he was hardly leading a fashion revolution. By 2008, annual tie sales in the United States had dropped to $667.7 million from a record high of $1.3 billion in 1995, according to market research firm NPD Group. And since 2009, the number of men who acquire more than one tie a year has slowly but steadily dropped, reported research group Packaged Facts. But you're still going to find a few folks in Plano who are rocking their suits with style, including some millennials. One is 20-something-year-old Samir Desai, who's at Frito-Lay. He knows the baggage that comes with the word suits, but he's not buying it for himself. In fact, he's buying suits for himself after a lot of careful research. I'm 26, or about to be 26. For 24 of those 26 years, um, I didn't know what to wear. And it wasn't until after I graduated college where I realized, like, I need to learn more about this stuff. You know, you're in the work world. You can't be wearing sizes four times too big. Like, my mom would frequently put me in an extra large because it was $2 at Kohl's down the street, you know? And I have a twin brother, so she'd get the two-for-one deal, you know what I mean? One of the blogs I love to follow is dapper.com, www.dapper, D-A-P-P-E-R-E-D.com. My thoughts is this, um, if you care of how you look, but combine it with an authentic, genuine personality, people will know he cares about himself and he cares about how he looks. So if you look at the style icons from the, the yesterday, like Cary Grant and, you know, 
um, Pierce Brosnan and uh, you know those guys what they're wearing will be in style 50 years ago and 50 years from now so when I say style I say don't get don't get caught up in the latest trends but concentrate on things that no matter what will always look good like my philosophy is go into a store find out something that you feel like you look good in don't buy it then you nobody says you have to buy it then go online and you know what your size is what your fit is what colors you like and if they have running a 30 40 percent discount that's when you buy it maybe two weeks maybe three months later and then that way you can know you're getting something that fits you well looks good you've already tried it out at a discounted price so you don't have to sacrifice style for uh for cost Frito-Lay is business casual half my my team wears jeans every day even though they have policies on fridays to wear jeans so it's like uh, the, the casualization of the wardrobe is across companies across the board. And I'm not against that. My argument is this. Will you ever wear shorts to a wedding? Wear shorts to an interview of the job that you really, really want? Never. So I say there's a time and place for everything and Suits has a time and place. For those moments where you say, I got to put my best foot forward. I got to look my damn best you're gonna go to a suit. So my my philosophy is always dress one level above from what you have to. So if it's wearing shirts, uh, a t-shirt and shorts, wear jeans and a button-up shirt. Uh, I get, you know, called out all the time by my work friends. Like they know as me as someone who who takes time in their appearance and they give me, um, they give me grief for it. Even uh, we had a big presentation last week and uh, I showed up in a jacket. And they said, Samir, are you interviewing for something? I'm like, no, I just wanted to wear a jacket. It's a formal presentation. All day they gave me grief for, 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 wearing, a, for wearing a jacket. So you got to take those things in stride. Uh, i rather have those, those, those comments given to me versus, Samir, why are you wearing short star presentation? Samir is hoping to spark renewed interest in the suit among his peers. But the Reverend Isaiah Joshua is a longtime veteran suit wearer. When we met him in his pastor's office, he was sporting a spiffy brown and pink plaid suit, complete with his name custom embroidered on the cuffs of his slacks. Joshua is a pastor of the 4,000-member Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church on Plano's east side. And as he explains, the suit remains a staple for men on Sunday morning in church, and in particular in African-American churches. I'm Isaiah Joshua, Jr., and I'm senior pastor of the Shallow Baptist Church of Plano, Texas. Now, I wear a suit every Sunday. I wear a tie every Sunday. I try to dress to show young people how you should dress and be professional, but I came from a professional world, and I've just grown up that way, and, and I grew up in church. And by growing up in church, I grew up in church with a suit and a tie on as a little boy on Sunday with shiny shoes on because that's just the way I grew up. I've been hired by the chief of employers and therefore I think that I should represent him better. That's just how I feel. And I think dressing, appropriately dressing up for church is an important piece of the African American church, predominantly African American church. I just truly believe that, but not to the point of making others feel uncomfortable as if they can't be a part of our church. You can come in in cutoffs and tennis shoes and I'll take you in, I'll adopt you, but I'm going to help you dress better. 
eventually. <laughs> I'll get to you. We tend to dress a little bit better for church because we feel like we're going to the king's house. And if you're going to the king's house, then of course you would want to present yourself in your best attire for the king. So that's just the way we dress. Now, we have people who come in, and they're very, I, don't, I guess you would say, um, professionally uh, casual, business casual. I, I think, though, that there's some of this that's tied to heritage. I just think that we have always dressed up to go to church. We have always dressed up and we have always been told, no, you cannot wear those shoes to school. Those are your church shoes. And we had church shoes and church clothes. And that's how we grew up. And because we grew up, we just have that embedded in us. Suits are one of the uniforms that help identify the people who serve in key roles in the congregation, Joshua said, and that's intentional. On the first Sunday, all of our men and all of our deacons, all of our ministers wear dark suits or black suits. They wear black and white is predominantly what we wear because it is communion. And because it is communion, our attention is not on how we're dressed, but it's on Christ. Okay, now the way I'm dressed today, you would probably go, Golly, boy, he's kind of spiffy right there with his brown and pink on. But I don't want that on first Sunday. I want you to focus on Christ. I want it every Sunday, but especially when we're doing Holy Communion in our church. So we do our communion, and our women that are leaders wear white. My wife wears white. The ladies wear white. The men wear black. Our men serve communion with white gloves on their hands simply because we are handling the trays, and we switch. We don't use the same gloves from one service to the other. That's just kind of a tradition that has been in our church. But it, And some traditions I've cut, but some I've held on to because all, tra all traditions are not bad. All of our greeters mm -hmm. are in a uniform, so to speak. But our church is actually uh, based upon a book by Toller, and the book is called The Five Star Church. And he says that if you go to a five-star hotel, he said, you're going to know who works there. You don't have to ask if you work there. So our people are uniformed. When you walk in, all of our ushers are uniformed. Our choir members are uniformed, and they're uniformed because we take the attention off of us and put it on Christ. And so that's why we don't have to say, oh, her outfit looks so much better than this. No, everybody looks the same. So we wear the same thing, and it works for us very well. We just had a funeral on uh, Monday. Our choir was in robes. Our ushers were in black uniforms. Our, uh, my, our unity team was all in uniform, badges on, because that's five-star. That's what you get when you go to five-star. Excellence is our motto, without excuse. Excellence without excuse. Joshua says that he has always chosen to wear suits, even back in the days when he was a high school student. Because they set him apart, as someone who's serious and professional. Yes, I wore a suit to high school every day because, and this probably was more about me, but I just wanted to stand out as an African-American leader. And, and remember, I went to high school when integration 
the year that it first took place. And so I wanted to stand out as an African-American leader, so I didn't want to look like everybody else. So I dressed differently. You know, it didn't hurt that I had good grades and um, was able to speak well. And so it, it, it got me, it took me a long way, and it may have been about me, but in high school, I think you ought to be about you. Now, in my church service, I am really not about me. I'm more about our young people because I want our young people to see a role model that's not tattooed from head to shoulders and arms and legs. And I don't want to. I, I don't want to be that role model. I want to be a role model that they see who's very educated, who's very professional, who uh, can lead meetings, who can lead the, our services, who can get up and welcome people and make people feel special. And so I want them. I want to represent that way, and I want to present myself to them that way. Ironically. Of all the people we interviewed, it's the banker and former mayor, Phil Dyer, who has truly hung up his suits for good. He retired just a few days before our interview and had this to say. When I retired from the bank, I, I owned four suits. I took them all the cleaners. They're all clean and in plastic. And I don't expect them to come out of the plastic unless I have to go to a funeral or a wedding. In my ties, I've got them, but uh, they are not going to see the light of day, I'm sure, for a long, long time. That's, that's my new life, and I'm good with it, I guarantee you. And with that, we've come to the end of our curious tale of the Plano Aces of Suits. Stay with us now for our wrap-up, where we give you a peek behind the scenes with myself, producer Mary Jacobs, and a special guest. After all, what's the coolest little on-air join in Plano without sharing a little back corner booth discussion among friends? I'm Craig Perry. You have a role with the Chamber of Commerce, don't you? I do, I'm chair-elect. And you happen to know Mike Zack from way back when. Yeah, actually, Mike Zack worked uh, worked part-time. I think he's probably going to Michigan State at the time, and he worked part-time at Mesa, Michigan, which is a store that I was the advertising manager of that was based in Grand Rapids. Did we did we hit any of the style icons that you had, you've run across in Plano, or did we miss a few? Probably one of the most fashionable dressers I can I know of in Plano is our mayor, mm -hmm. Harry LaRosselier. <laughs> I mean, there is nobody that dresses as stylish as he does mm -hmm. all the time. We couldn't agree more. And since former mayor Phil Dyer has hung up his suits for good, we spent some time with Mayor LaRosselier talking to him about his style and his imprint on the city of Plano. Mayor Rawlings had, um, one day on Twitter, he had uh, um, uh, one of these like funky socks, and, I, and so then I, he, he tweeted it, and so I had some you know, jazzy socks as well, and I, I put it on, and I, you know, I said, all right, well, it's uh, Funky Friday uh, sock swag. And so occasionally I'll just kind of take a picture of my sock and, and you know, I'll tag a number of corporate executives. I'll tag Mayor Rawlings, and I'll say, "What do you got on today?" And we'll just kind of go back and forth on it. But it really is more, again, of um, kind of putting your an accent on who who we are. You know, Mayor Buckhole of uh, Tampa Bay once said to me that you, as the mayor, get to put your 
your personality onto your city. And so, you know, I don't mind having a little little flash and and kind of say we're 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 the we like to call ourselves the cool kids of Collin County. That's who we are. I had a theory that, and I still do, that eventually the ultimate. Um, fate of suits is going to be like the barrister's wigs in England. So they will still be around, but you'll only wear them to maybe a funeral or a wedding or if you're in front of a judge, but people otherwise won't wear them. It'll be one of those three and then they'll be disappear. Where do you think suits are headed? Put it probably more broadly. Well, there again, I think everything's cyclical in that. So, I, you know, I listened to uh, Samir, a uh, young guy that likes to wear suits and that. I think it depends on what you're trying to portray and where you're at. In many cases, you can't go wrong by, if you're going to a meeting especially, you can't go wrong by wearing a suit. It's, it's easier to be overdressed than underdressed. That's exactly what Samir said. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be overdressed than underdressed. So that that's translated you know, through the generations of men who know how to dress and have good, solid style. Mm-hmm. Um, something that struck me and it's that Pastor Isaiah, you know, Joshua, when he was talking about dressing up for church, his focus was because, and I'll quote him, because it's the king's house. Somewhere in my upbringing, and I went to church, I didn't get that memo. It was, I'm going to dress up because Mary's dressing up or Mary's family's dressing up and we can't look raggedy. Mm-hmm. We have to look like the rest of the community. I never got that it was dressing for whatever God you're there to worship. Mm-hmm. Did you get in, the church in, thing for that? In fairness, that is not in the Bible. Is it not in the <laughs> no, Bible? It doesn't say where your best Either Bible, to church. old or new, <laughs> no. either one. No. Okay. It's a tradition, and there are lots of ways that we interpret what's in the Bible or what your teachings are, whatever your core beliefs are. There are a lot of ways they interpret that. And then other places, I think, would have sort of a reverse notion about that, which is don't come looking showy. It's your heart that counts. It's your spirit. It's that you serve the orphan and the widow. So it's just interpretation. I I agree. I remember as a kid going to church and that we always dressed up. Back in those days, you even wore a hat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hats disappeared. And yet you see sometimes they come back with young people in in more casual attire. Uh, But I always remember going to a, uh, there was a service at a, a very progressive church in Grand Rapids, Michigan where I walked in and everybody was casual, Mm -hmm. jeans and polo shirts or whatever, and I was like taken aback. But I also was very comfortable in the fact I thought, my goodness, you don't have to dress up to go to church anymore. So that was somewhat inspiring. All right, what's your most prized fashion accessory? It's a Shinola watch. Oh, Shinola! Yes. Right! I have three of them. Uh, Well, I think it's great too that they're helping, you know, helping incubate a a business in Detroit, helping that community rebuild itself. That watch is fabulous. Shinola watches, uh, Shinola wallet, uh, Shinola laptop cover. Right. Yeah, if you could get an interview with Tom Cressotis. Detroit, right? Well, Uh, the manufacturing is, but it really is here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tom Cressotis is the founder, co-founder of another prehistoric sounding company. Uh. (laughs) Got it? Yeah, get it. Ooh, Craig, that's a great idea. Maybe we can find a way to get Mr. Cartsotis on our show. Hmm. This is Cole Boffin from the Plano Podcast. If you want to find out more information, go to planopodcast.com and click on episode resources. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast. Tales of Curiosity and Character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. 
Remember to follow us on Twitter at at Plano Podcast and send us your feedback, ideas, and comments. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.